0: Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You are looking live at Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on On Prime Primetime.
4: it is hour three here on v prime time happy to be with you not tim murray not sean king but you got the burke brothers danny burke adam burke happy to be with you here at circus sportsbook kicking off our final hour and no better way to do that adam And to bring in our guy, Josh Applebaum, at Josh underscore insights on the tweets. Josh, it has been a minute, my friend. Happy to have you on because you and I used to do this weekly, much like Adam and I would do a hit weekly. And always look forward to you dishing out your market report and saying where all the line movements have occurred. And certainly there's been some in the biggest college basketball game tonight with TCU hosting Kansas. Tell us your just strategy for this game, where it opened, where it moved, and how you're looking to play it.
5: Yeah, Danny and Adam, it's great to be with you. And again, you guys are stepbrothers, you know, same name, different mother. I thought you were going to do the stepbrothers thing where you're both looking at me and then like one goes behind the other and uh, you got Adam behind us – That would have been pretty fun, but uh, Danny, hope you're having a great time in Vegas. Adam, great to see you. So, yeah, biggest game of the night here, guys. I'm going to go TCU on the money line. This is a game that kind of had my eye on all day. I'm loving the fact that we're seeing some late movement here toward TCU. I always like kind of the last hour, half hour, you know, 20 minutes. I know we got a little ways to go here, about an hour, but you're starting to see TCU creep up. On our board, we're showing minus 1.5, but a lot of books I'm seeing on the live odds page are up to minus 2, some books at minus 2.5. So love the late movement, but if we take a step back, guys, couple reasons to look at TCU here tonight. Number one, Kansas. They're ranked fifth in the country, yet they're a dog tonight. Right off the bat, that opening line kind of speaks volumes to me that it seems like the obvious play to take the Jayhawks. Ranked number five, TCU, who had lost four straight. They get their star player back. uh, Their last game will be playing here tonight. Big boost for TCU, but they're ranked number 22. So just from a standpoint of rankings and your your win-loss record, this is one of those go on Twitter and you see wrong team is favored, uh, but not really the case here. What I think is, you know, uh, based on the line movement, It's a pretty sharp play to TCU, guys. They opened as low as minus one. You saw them immediately get up to one and a half. Some books were two. There's a little buyback on Kansas to bring it back down to one and a half. Kind of sat there much of the afternoon. But but again, the slate movement is breaking toward TCU. And the reason why I like it, guys, not just the movement, but this is a really good contrarian angle. If you look at the betting public, about 60% of bets here are taking Kansas in the points. So even if you didn't have this late move, you're contrarian in a very heavily bet game, most heavily bet game of the night here on ESPN, 9 o'clock. Uh, but then also using our vsin.com bet splits, only like 40% of bets, but almost 60% of the money is on TCU, telling us those bigger, sharper wagers are in their favor. Also, guys, look at TCU, they're 12 and 3 at home. Also, in this spot, if you look at these uh, big 12 home favorites, they've been fantastic. 43 and 14 straight up 75%. So I'm not going to mess around here laying a one or one and a half or a two or a two and a half now. I'll just go money line. I got around minus 125 earlier today. And then also, guys, if you look at uh, two ranked teams going head to head, Take the favorite. Very simple system here, uh, but the cream sometimes rises to the top, 46 and 35 ATS, 57%. So Publix on Kansas, that's been all movement and late breaking to TCU. I'm going TCU on the money line, guys. Could have gotten it earlier a little, little bit better number. Now you're looking around a minus 135. Josh, another game tonight where we have seen a little bit of a line move here, really
1: not a whole lot on the college basketball card, but Minnesota <laughs> and Illinois where we're seeing the dog get some love here for this matchup in Champaign.
5: Yeah, great point by you, Adam. So it's kind of slim pickings here. I didn't play this one, but again, based on the line movement, it looks like Minnesota's taking in some money. This game open, Illinois, as high as minus 15 and a half. We saw them get down. Now, as you mentioned now, Adam, down to 13 and a half. Uh, One thing I would kind of compare this to a little bit was Louisville Duke. That was very similar where you had Duke, I think, open lane 20. Now they they got down to like 18 and a half. Uh, They're down. It's at halftime now, 42, 33. But I don't, to me, Adam, and and I know uh, there's different ways to cap these games. I don't like to mess around with these big spread numbers. Like when you're up to, you know, 13, 15, 20, you know, one bucket here or there could make or break your bet. So of course I'll lean Minnesota. They're the gross hazmat, disgusting play, heavily bet, only getting 30%. You do have the line move in your favor, but to me, it's always a crapshoot with these high spreads. So I'll lean Minnesota, but I didn't play it.
4: Josh, sticking with college hoops, but looking in the macro sense in the futures department, is there any team you've been sweating out and any team that you would still recommend based on the current price that is available?
5: Yeah, so what's ironic, Danny, is I'm rooting for TCU to win tonight, but I like a futures bet on Kansas to win it all and cut down the net. So I know I'm kind of talking out of both sides here, but different way to approach Kansas. What I like about Kansas, though, if we can throw up these odds here, a Britain uh, to cut down the nets. What's interesting to me is, you know, you look at Houston, Alabama, Purdue, kind of the the teams that have the best odds here, 600 to plus 600 to plus 800. Kansas is down there 12 to 1. This is a team that, to me, you're kind of buying low on at this point. If you look at some of Ken Palm's rankings, uh, you look at Kansas, he's got them ranked number 7, so they aren't the highest ranked team. But if you look at both offensive, defensive efficiency, they're both top 15. And what I'm looking at is, you know, is there still value on a line after or has it moved too much where there's no longer value? Like, Houston's great. But a plus 600, you're not getting the best payout. And they come from a conference uh, that is, again, smaller conference, almost like Gonzaga. You put up these gaudy numbers, not taking anything away from Houston. But to me, what I'm leaning on with Kansas is a plus 1,200, pretty juicy number, really good Ken Palm rating here. Also, uh, if you look at the Big 12, you know, this is the best conference in college basketball. So you may not have the best win-loss record, but maybe you lose some heartbreakers, lose by one or two. Basically, if you're battle-tested strength the schedule against these really good opponents every single night where you got a scratch and claw, to me, that's going to really benefit you when you get to March Madness in these in these really you know high leverage type situations. So you have Kansas at 1200. Again, it's a wide open field, good Ken Palm rating, best conference in college basketball, a coach who's been there, done that with experience, and some star players here with Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick who have been fantastic. So 12 to one, guys. I'm rooting for the Jayhawks to cut down the nets. Well, something else I'll mention here: if you do like TCU tonight, 30 to one out there is the price. It
1: was 40 or higher over the weekend, and then they you know had that big blowout win over Oklahoma State. But if you like TCU tonight. This is the kind of win that probably lowers their futures price. So if you want to get in at 30-1, to 1, this is probably your buy point because if they do take care of business tonight, that number probably goes down. Also, they play Texas at home coming up. If that's a game that they win on March 1st, their price is going to come down again. So right now, I don't know about you, Danny. I'm not really jumping into the futures market. I'd rather just now see the draw because we're so close to Selection Sunday anyway. But to Josh's point, there are buy points when you get these games that are marquee and then you can get you know some equity on their futures bet.
4: Yeah, and especially at this point of the season, like you're alluding to, I'm kind of the same way. Like I'm not going to obviously talk anybody out of it if you have that conviction, but personally, I'm fine maybe surrendering a dollar or two just to witness what their path is going to be so you have a tad bit of a, a better understanding on what you may get. So I, I kind of like that approach a little bit.
1: Josh, you got some uh, things moving around in the NBA right now as well where you know we had some news today, Giannis is out, indefinitely i guess we'll call it until until the pain subsides until he feels better i don't know but in terms of player award markets there's something that you're looking at in terms of the sixth man of the year
5: yeah and guys this is something i really look toward you know you're grinding daily basis in sports so you're waking up you know overnight lines you're doing this full daily routine of betting on sports on a daily basis but i like having some futures out there and i think looking at different things and to your guys point like um, you know, if you look at late movement, like Nick Bosa in the NFL for defensive player of the year, he was like a pick number going into like week 15, 16, end up closing it like, I don't know, minus 5000 and then off the board. So to me in this market, especially right now, when you're taking a break from NBA, we have no games tonight or for the next few days Uh, to me, to me is a good time to look at the futures, look at the awards. To me, that's where you can make. Quite a bit of money and using a blueprint that has served us pretty well, you know, as data driven bettors is looking at bets and dollars and where these uh, players are taking the action at sportsbooks like DraftKings or BetMGM. So, what really jumped out to me is Malcolm Brogdon uh, for the sixth man of the year, guys. This is a guy that uh, for much of the year, and it kind of coincides with the news that Westbrook. Uh, was bought out and here is going to join the Clippers Westbrook for much of the year was your favorite to win the sixth man. And I don't know about you guys, but like you watch him play and it's like brick and it's like really ugly and cringeworthy. But then, he, you know, Westbrook puts up these numbers later and it's like, wow, he filled the stat sheet. But with Westbrook changing teams, missing some games, uh, to me, the ward here is Malcolm Brogdon. This is a guy that's been fantastic for the Celtics. I've watched him day in and day out, 15 points a game, four rebounds, four assists. He's had to kind of, you know, put his ego to the side and come off the bench, and it feels like he's been comfortable with that. I think also you get a boost if you're coming from the best team, like Marcus Smart last year, defensive player of the year. Best defensive guy on best defensive team. Now for six-man Brogdon. He's been great all year off the bench for the best team in the league here with the Celtics. I think you get a boost just coming from one of the better teams. Brogdon's putting up the numbers, but really just from a data standpoint, you know he's only getting, I think, like 5 or 6% of bets, but almost 15%, 20% of the money. So late movement is breaking toward Brogdon. I like him to win this award, especially with Westbrook kind of in limbo here, having to go to a new team. I know Norman Powell's kind of right behind him at like plus, plus 230, something like that. But Brogdon, to me, is taking this home award. I think here's the other thing, guys. You get scared off by a 165. But, you know, give it a, give it a week. Give it two weeks. That could be minus five minus 500 or more. So I think the time is right to strike here on Brogdon at minus 165.
1: Josh, I want to swing back to college basketball for a second here because we've got overnight lines out there in the marketplace for tomorrow's slate. And we do have some betting splits up over at vcin.com. So my question is, when do you start looking at this data and start deciding, you know, the positions that you want to take or the positions that you see sharp money taking? Because we have overnights. We have bets on them here so far. But, you know, they're really not seeing a whole lot of public money betting overnight. So when do you start looking at the numbers and start looking at the validity of of what they may be saying?
5: Yeah, so it's a great question, Adam. So the way I bet on sports is like I try to put in all my work throughout the day, like look at the overnight lines from the previous night before, write the newsletter, do the morning bets pod, do the market insights pod, track it all day, and then it's like, okay, I can exhale, get some dinner. Now I get to have my me time and sweat all my games that night. And then as your games are wrapping up, to me, like eleven o'clock midnight, I'll start to look at these games that populate overnight. These are and to your point, Adam, the betting percentages to me aren't that meaningful early on. It's not that they're not real or not transparent or not legitimate. They totally are. But for example, like you might get an early bet overnight where 80% of bets, 90% of money are on a team, you know, at one a.m. the previous night. Now that typically would be what I would look at as a public play that I'd be wary of not betting, but you really see these things move and fluctuate a lot. And if you get heavy betting early overnight, it's not really, that scares me. It's the immediate line moves guys, because you know, again, I take a different approach to betting. I'm looking at how the market is reacting, but your true wise guys, your true pros, they have all these games already mapped out for tomorrow. So when they're seeing these lines open, if a game opens, you know, a team opens minus one, they have them favored by three. Boom, let's hit that immediately. So, to answer your question, Adam, I take it with a grain of salt. Percentages early, I'm looking at the early line move. I'm comparing that to Ken Palm. I'm, dry, you know, I'm dialing up my betting system to see if we have any matches. I haven't looked yet, guys, but hopefully we'll get at least one unranked home favors ranked opponent. That's in my favorite system this year. It's like 67%. So again, it's it's a process here, but early on, Adam, it's the line moves, it's the Ken Palm edges, then trying to get a good number before it moves too far. Solid stuff per usual. Josh Applebaum, folks, you
4: can follow him on Twitter at Josh underscore insights. Best of luck with your remaining bets, Josh. Appreciate the time, my man. You guys are the best. And Adam, keep an eye on Danny, all right? He's in Sin City. Just
5: show him the ropes around there.
4: Will do. Will do. (laughs) There you have it. All right, big shout out to Josh. We'll be back, Adam and I, updating some of the games happening right now on Decent Prime Time.
3: High Five Casino.
0: Call one eight hundred Gambler. This is VCN Prime Time with Tim Murray and Sean King on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM MGM Sports. Bet MGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. So download the Bet MGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love Bet MGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. So go ahead and visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We are back here at the Circus Sportsbook. It is Veasan Prime Time. Danny Burke, Adam Burke, filling in for Tim Murray and Sean King at Skating Tripods. Where you can follow Adam on Twitter at Danny Burke Five. For myself, at Veasan Live for Veasan, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, Adam, let's a little bit of time updating some of these games that we got going on. The few that we have occurring right
1: a of, now. A lot of barn burners yeah, out there tonight.
4: No kidding. Uh, Duke, Louisville.
1: Louisville, uh,
4: they're kind of hanging around there. 51 to 39, Duke with the lead. They're laying 17 in the hook on the live line. So right around where it closed. Total at 148 and a half. Anything that you've seen that would warrant a bet one way or the other?
1: No. I mean, I've, I've seen what we've seen all season long, and it's that Louisville's just not very good. But, I mean, you know, this Louisville team, they, they started out nice. I mean, like we talked about, Duke had nine points in the first seven minutes of this game, mm-hmm. and then everything just totally fell apart defensively for Louisville. So it's, it's kind of hard to want to take them here. The only question is, you know, when you get into a game like this, when does Duke empty the bench? When does Louisville just kind of wave the white flag? You know, you don't really know when those things are coming here. So I like think it's kind of tough to do anything live in a blowout, I mean, generally speaking, you can kind of take a look at unders and blowouts, but I don't think you can do that in this game with just how bad Louisville is, has been defensively all year long. Yeah, let's
4: see. Duke's hit five threes on 14 attempts, although uh, Louisville's hit five themselves on 12 attempts. Louisville's turned the ball over eight times. Duke has been pretty careful with the ball here. Good job turning it over just three times against his Cardinals defense. So again, Duke with a 51-39 to lead over Louisville. Uh, That line at about uh, 18 and a half now is what we're seeing total up to 152 and the hook. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, not much has changed going into the second half here, Adam. West Virginia still with a healthy lead now 45 to 27, 16 in the hook with some juice at direction, minus a buck 25 if you want to lay it with the Mountaineers. And then the total, Adam, now at 136 in the hook, minus 125 to the over.
1: Well, I think something that makes it really challenging here for Oklahoma State as well is that Boone, one of their top players, scoring 12 points, 5.4 rebounds per game, he's got three fouls already. So the, the question for Oklahoma State is going to be, you know, how, when do you put him out there? When do you, you know, run the risk of picking up that fourth foul? Because it's probably going to happen. I mean, West Virginia is a team that is very physical, gets to the line a lot. So for Oklahoma State, it's not even just the fact that they're one of 12 from three. They've got 12 turnovers. Also, one of their top offensive pieces already has three fouls early in the second half here. So not really any reason to jump in on Oklahoma State, I don't think, at this point in time.
4: Transitioning to the puck, uh, you know that I'm sweating out the Penguins right now, and it is tied up at one apiece. Pittsburgh did have a 1-0 lead, and then uh, they let up a goal. Is uh, Pittsburgh going to break away? They can't take advantage of any more opportunities. They've had two power plays they have not been able to cash in on, and one was really close. It was a heck of a save from the Islanders. 26 shots on goal for Pittsburgh, Adam, 18 for the Islanders. You and I watching this game right now, aside from the power plays, the big difference too is that the Islanders have done a tremendous job with the faceoffs. 21 21-7 to advantage toward New York. But on paper, besides that, you would think Pittsburgh would be the team to look toward. They're laying minus the buck, 50 here on the live line. If you want to go puck line with Pittsburgh, plus 230, total at 5.5, minus 165 to the under.
1: Well, the long change has been tough for Pittsburgh here in this period where the Islanders have played a much, much better second period than they played in the first period. Uh, Islanders have six high-danger offensive chances in the second period, whereas Pittsburgh had seven in the first period. So Pittsburgh had the chance to be up by a couple of goals, at least in this game, squandered in the first period. Now in the second period, the Islanders have definitely been the better team. So this one's just a very back-and-forth affair. I would not lay... That minus one fifty on Pittsburgh with the way this second period's going for them, where they're giving up all the scoring chances and some pretty good ones at that.
4: How about this Rangers and Jets game? We didn't spend too much time on this, but I had mentioned at the beginning of the show the line movement that we witnessed because New York went as high as like minus one eighty three. Riddick was expected to be in because Hellebuck had just started. They put Connor Hellebuck in nevertheless, and. Uh, now the Jets up three nothing over Shostak and the Rangers. The Rangers have been the NHL's hottest team, really. Aside from how dominant the Bruins have been, doesn't look like their 11-game point streak is going to continue. About halfway through the second period, again, Winnipeg up three nothing. In terms of the odds, if you want to lay two in the hook with the Jets, minus two dollars. If you want to take it with the Rangers, which I don't hate, I guess the idea of that uh, plus 150. Total six and a
1: half juice to the under. Yeah, and this is a really interesting one because the Rangers are badly out shooting the Jets in this game. But Serkin's giving up three goals on 10 shots, whereas Hellebuck, perfect 22 of 22 here so far in this back-to-back. So Rangers, probably right side, wrong result it looks like here in this game so far.
4: All right, I want to revisit really quick uh, because we've talked on it plenty, but uh, for anybody who hasn't heard with this big game college basketball-wise, that will be starting at the top of the hour with TCU and Kansas like we've mentioned, we've seen the line movement. TCU opening up is about a point favorite. Now we see them at about a two-point favorite across the board. We talked with Josh Applebaum. We talked with Will Hill. Both of them seem to favor the Horned Frogs. And Adam, I know you don't have an official play pre-flop, nor do I. But is do you have a lean, or in terms of some way you may look to live bet this if something goes
1: down in a certain fashion? You know, I, I in terms of a pre-flop play. I like how much TCU gets to the rim. You know, 47.4% of their shot attempts this season have been close twos as defined by Bart Torvik. So that's dunks, layups, and tip-ins. So TCU gets to the rim a lot, and they're very, very good at doing it, whereas Kansas is a little bit more reliant on the three than TCU is. So that would be the thing I'm kind of looking at here at the outset of this game. Is Kansas getting clean looks from three, and are they knocking those shots down? Because if they are, I don't think that's something that will continue against this TCU defense. They're holding opponents to 30.9% from three. They're just really good in terms of paying attention to a lot of the details. And again, this TCU team is much different getting back miles. I mean, it just is what it is. So I, I would look towards TCU in this game. I tend to agree with the line move, um, but no play for me. Again, when you talk about a night like tonight with 18 games, most of them in the MEAC and the SWAC, this line's going to be pretty good. So I just didn't see a whole lot of equity in it pre-flop.
4: Yeah, now you even see TCU as high as 2.5 over at BetMGM on our screen if you're watching our feed at VEASAN.com, YouTube TV, wherever else you're getting us dished out to you. Uh, Adam, some Big Ten action. Illinois, Minnesota, again, uh, may not be the most entertaining, but it seemed like he had a little bit more interest actually in this game than he did TCU in Kansas. Illinois opened up as high as 15 in the hook. Now the market's come down in favor of the Gophers. A 13 is low as 13 is the number, but I I guess the majority is still 13 in the hook. 135 and a half is the consensus total. You were kind of getting a little bit of a lean toward the Gophers in this spot. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about it earlier today. I, I almost took Minnesota in this game. They were plus 15 at the time. They lost the first meeting at home back on January 16th by 18 points, but they were down by as many as 25 in the second half. The problem that I had here is that Illinois was 23 of 31 at the rim in the first game. So they got to the rim. They got the shots they wanted. Minnesota's a very bad defensive team. That's been their problem all year long. Really, the only thing I thought about was Minnesota getting Dawson Garcia back. That's something that obviously helps them offensively. They look pretty good, actually, on offense over the weekend uh, in the game that they played with him back where they – you know, wound up they lost to Penn State, but it was one of their better offensive performances. It was the first time since they beat Ohio State that they had over a point per possession. So I thought about it. I gave it a long look. Getting a 15 point head start with the team, it should be better offensively than they've been here of late. But their bad defense and the ease with which Illinois got to the rim in the first meeting, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get there. But I would have had a little bit of line value on it. So we'll see uh, who winds up covering in that one. Before we exit
4: here, Adam, and sticking into college basketball, I know you refer to a lot of these sites and a lot of these sites that use metrics in your handicapping. Bart Torvik, you mentioned a uh, Haslametrics. I like to mention, I know you mm-hmm. do as well. What are the different purposes for those specific websites?
1: Yeah, so look, I mean, I, uh, first of all, Bart Torvik's completely free. So for anybody who doesn't want to pay for Ken Palm, that's an option. Haslametrics is also free. You know, it, it's one of those things where, I started using Torvik not exclusively, but I started really relying on Torvik a lot a few years ago because Ken Palm was setting the market, right? Like, we, I mean, we talk about with Josh. Josh plays teams where, you know, maybe it's a dog, but Ken Palm has them winning the game, stuff like that. Ken Palm largely sets the market. So there's just not a whole lot of value, I don't think, in using all of his data. I would rather use a Torvik and a Haslam Metrics. I know Shot Quality is another site that's kind of ruling the market now as well. But I just, I like the way that with Torvik you can kind of separate into certain segments of the season, look at recent results, stuff like that. It's just a really, really valuable site. And I also like the layout of it, too. Yeah,
4: good stuff. Yeah, I've been using Haslam metrics a lot. Eric Haslam joins VEASAN a ton and mm-hmm. very, uh, very insightful with his college basketball handicapping. But good stuff from Adam at Skating Tripods, of course, where you can catch him on the tweets and plenty of his write ups at Visund.com. We are going to switch to the gridiron. Adam Hill joining us to talk about the Raiders and much more.
0: In prime Time with Tim Murray and Sean King on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSEN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to make you a smarter handicapper year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VSIN.com. Back in action, it is VSIN prime time. Danny Burke. And Adam Burke filling in for Tim Murray and Sean King. Happy to be with you all. We are live here in Las Vegas at the Circus Sportsbook, and joining us to talk about some uh, some things we can look forward to potentially here in Sin City is Adam Hill at Adam Hill LVRJ of the Las Vegas Review Journal, joining us right now. Adam, appreciate the time. Uh, look, even though football season's over, it doesn't mean the news stops, and you certainly know that. And there's been a lot of buzz here in Las Vegas with the potential new quarterback Aaron Rodgers, the favorite, the betting favorite at a lot of shops at DraftKings, for example, minus two dollars to stay with the Packers is plus two fifty. The Jets plus one fifty. What have you been hearing, if anything, in terms of the Raiders future with their quarterback position?
3: was going to be the quarterback for the team this year, but what has happened It's all changed. No, I mean, look, this changes all the time. As you said, it's a, it's a 24 hour news cycle. It's a 365 day a year news cycle. And um, I think in the building around the Raiders, their, their thoughts were that if Tom Brady played, he was going to be the quarterback, like that was going to happen. And then when he decided he wasn't going to play next year, Uh, They had to go on to plan B, potentially plan C, and even, you know, D&E. You have to be adaptable, I think, for sure. And I think Aaron Rodgers was the next name on their list to start looking at. I can tell you that there was a ton of buzz around the building about Aaron Rodgers for a few weeks and it has definitely died down the last couple of days. Now, part of that is that Aaron Rodgers is living in total darkness, and, uh, you know, well, I guess he might be out now. Uh, we don't know exactly what he's coming out of, of the retreat, but, you know, it, he's gone radio silent. He kind of mentioned last week when he did an appearance uh, on, on the Pat McAfee show that he said, look, I'm, I haven't talked to anybody. Any, anything that's out there, is kind of made up or just kind of, you know, floating around. And if anybody actually knows anything, they're not talking to anyone. So from his perspective, things are different, but I think from the Raiders perspective, he's a guy that they're absolutely looking at. I think they want to be in the market for a veteran quarterback and he's the best of that group. And so there, there's going to be interest, but the thing about Aaron Rodgers is he's not a free agent. So I think that's one of the things we look at and say, okay, they might be interested in signing him, but the, the Packers have to be interested in trading him. He has to be interested in coming here. There's a lot of moving pieces in terms of getting him. So he's definitely part of the equation. He's part of the thought process, but I don't know that he's number one anymore. He might be in a group uh, of potential guys that they're looking at.
1: And I'm obviously we have to wait and see what happens with Rogers and wait for that domino to drop. But the Raiders have a ton of available cap space coming up here. So, Obviously they may have to dedicate some of it or the bulk of it to Rogers, but what do you see them doing in terms of upgrading with that cap space that they have?
3: Well, look, they do have a ton of cap space, but I do put this caveat on it. Whenever I talk about this, like, yes, there's a ton of cap space but they also don't have a running back under contract right now, or at least their, their main running back and Josh Jacobs. They don't have a starting right tackle under contract. They barely have any defensive players under contract. Like uh, they, they, they structured it so they'd have a ton of cap space this year, but that also means a ton of contracts have expired. So uh, while they do have a ton of cap space, like they're going to have to fill it up with a lot of these players that they have to resign at some point, or, you know, go out and fill with other places. So if it's Rogers, like that, you know, that's a guy that you bring in, and you have to clear a bunch of cast space. Even though he's not a big hit this year, it's very complicated in terms of you have to clear the space to have him. Even though if it's the the cap is not big, so they'd have to you know clear that out. But that's done right now with with Car being off the book, so um, they could do that. But this cast space is going to fill up very quickly, so it's not like they can go out and just you know spend at will. Uh, They do have to be a little bit careful because they've got a ton of players to sign. And, you know, while we talk about the quarterback a lot, Josh Jacobs is certainly very high on the list. In fact, I talked to uh, a a guy that is about to become a free agent for the Raiders whose contract is going to run out in three weeks with everybody else. And he said, look, I haven't talked to them at all. Uh, I have not had any discussions with the Raiders, but I get it. He's like, they have to sign Josh Jacobs and a quarterback. They don't care about the rest of us right now. And he wasn't saying that like in a demeaning way. He said, I get it. Like they shouldn't be talking to us right now. They have to figure out what else they're doing before they figure out what else they're going to fill in.
4: So Adam, hypothetically speaking, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders with a top 10 draft pick, do you envision they go that direction, getting a quarterback or trying to get one? What do you think their motivation is for the upcoming draft?
3: Well, I'll put it this way. Like, I think ideally the team of Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and Dave Ziegler, the general manager, who are very, very close friends all the way back to college. They were a package deal when they came in here together. I think if you ask them right now what they think needs to be done and what they would want to do, I think they'd want to draft a rookie quarterback and go with a rookie quarterback. I think that's absolutely what they would do. The problem is this is a business world, and if they went with a rookie quarterback and lost a bunch of games this year, it's not necessarily certain that they'd be back for next season. So they have to figure out a way to develop for the future, but also to try to win enough games to keep their jobs. And that's just the reality of the situation. So while I think they would like to draft one of the rookies, even potentially trade up position themselves to get one. um, I I don't know that they believe they can do that because if if you do that, then you're starting that guy and you might not win enough games. So I think the plan will be to get a rookie, to get a young player that they can develop, that they can bring along, but they're going to have to have somebody else to start games in the short term. And I think that the, the short list, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, involves guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, who they're very familiar with for sure. Um, And there's a couple of guys out there. Look, Jared Stidham, Played really well at the end of the year. He knows the system. I think he's very comfortable. I think they're comfortable with him. But he's also a free agent, and the way that he played at the end of the year, there's going to be a market for him. So he's not going to be exactly you know, the, the ultra-cheap option that you might have thought. So I think you're looking at Garoppolo potentially instead coming back. And then keep an eye on, like, the, the smoke is starting to pick up with Mac Jones being available in New England. And I think that would be a very interesting move as well. But I do think they want somebody who's established, who can play, who's not going to be a rookie they're developing because they have to find enough ways to win games to keep their jobs.
1: And I'm looking at that AFC West division, obviously the Chiefs, the reigning champions, as we know. How close do you think it is between the Chiefs and the Chargers going into this upcoming season? And is there a chance that the Chargers could possibly dethrone the Chiefs in that West division?
3: I mean, I I pick the Chargers every year to be a you know a breakout team. I think they're always going to be good, and you know they just keep falling short. I, I you know I, they're some they making some moves in the coaching staff. I think that helps. I think one of the things that they did this year, and I know a lot of people disagree, but you know Brandon Staley did not coach like Brandon Staley of 2021, and you know it's easy to say well they made the playoffs, so it was the right thing to do, but. I think somebody got in his head and, and discouraged him from doing some of the stuff he wants to do, uh, take the ball out of his quarterback's hands uh, more than he should have. I think he punted more than he wanted to. I, I think if he goes back to coaching the way he wants to being aggressive in the way that he should be, I think they're a very dangerous team. But, and I think with, you know, bringing in a new coordinator and, and some other coaches around might help that. I think they'd be very good, but it's hard to pick against the chiefs the way that they've just been able to, to load up every single year. And every time you think they're going to take a step back, they don't. Uh, they're just so good, and Mahomes is so good, and they're so good at finding talent around them. So until further notice, I think you have to pick the Chiefs, but the Chargers are right there. and Look, I don't think it's crazy to think that Sean Payton can figure out a way to, to bounce Russell Wilson back and have a respectable season this year. I think that's within the realm of possibility. It doesn't mean they're going to be as good as the Chiefs and potentially the Chargers, but I think they can be a good team, which puts the Raiders in a really, really tough spot where you're fighting three teams uh, to try to get ahead of them to get to where you want to get. And, and I think that's a long process. That's why I would like to go, if I was the Raiders, with a, a young quarterback that you develop and try to compete two or three years from now. It just, I just don't think the timeline is, is you know right for this team. So uh, it, it's a really tough decision they have to make here.
4: Hey, Adam, we got a little bit less than a minute to go. I, I can't let you leave without asking you about Derek Carr naturally. The Saints are the betting favorite, three to one. The Jets plus three thirty, Buccaneers plus four fifty, Panthers five to one, and then of course it moves on. Uh, what is your gut, or maybe what are some rumors and speculations telling you on where DC may end up?
3: Yeah, I still think the Saints make a ton of sense. I think all of the NFC South teams really make a ton of sense uh for him to go. I think it's, you know favorable weather conditions it's a place where you can actually compete right away because there's not a whole lot of talent around there i just don't think the jets make sense it might happen but i don't think it makes sense he hasn't been good in cold weather he hasn't been good in suboptimal conditions and i don't know that that new york media market is right for Derek carr so i don't think those things make a lot of sense look is there a potential like an outside shot like a team like the texans maybe but i look at the nfc south and be like that's where he's going to play next year
4: Adam Hill, folks, at Adam Hill V uh, R J on Twitter, Las Vegas Review Journal. You can catch all of his content. Adam, really appreciate the insight, my man. Looking forward to what the offseason holds. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep uh, – hopefully we get that updated from you. I'm sure you'll be the first to know. But, again, thanks for spending some time with us on v Prime Time.
3: Good to talk to you. And it's good to not have to talk to bums like Tim and Sean. Thank you guys for being on. Got to
4: switch it up every once in a while, right, Adam?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So I got to ask. Yeah. Is Derek Carr an above average quarterback in your mind? Because there's a lot of talk about where Derek Carr is going. I think he's merely an average quarterback.
4: I'd put him in the above average. Well, okay. okay. Is there a difference in your mind? Because the way I phrase it is like, like, I, I would say like average, slightly average, and above average. That's how I would rank it. And maybe I'd put him like slightly average type of range.
1: Is he a top 15 NFL quarterback?
4: I'd have to go down the list right now. Look, it's tough because he had weapons. Yeah, you know what? Britain's right, our producer. That's our segue. That's what we'll talk about as we wrap up another edition of Visa Prime Time. He is Adam Burke. I am Danny Burke. You'll hear our discussion on that next.
0: Private, put down your phone. This is the army, Sarge, High Five Casino is
2: a social casino. It's on your phone. Goes wherever you go. I win three spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over twelve hundred games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five, High Five, high five. Casino, Casino. Win at High Five Casino. Com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions supply. See website for details. High Five Casino. There's a lot happening these days.
0: terms and conditions apply this is v Prime primetime with tim murray and sean king on v the sports betting network
4: Basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the king of sportsbooks. Just place a single first basket score prop bet on any NBA game, and if your bet loses, you'll receive up to $25 back in bonus bets. Wager confidently and take your game to the next level with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Just log into your account or download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Then wager on any player to score the first basket in any uh, NBA game. And if your bet misses, like we said, you'll get up to $25 back in bonus bets. So turn game time into showtime with BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Well, it is our final segment for tonight here on VSIM Prime Time. Don't worry, plenty more action still to come here on the network, but uh, Adam Burke to my left here, Danny Burke here, I was going to say, Adam and I are very excited about our final conversation. Maybe I'm more excited than you are. You may just be more like, I need to get this off my chest. So uh, Adam asked me a question about Derek Carr because we were talking with Adam Hill. Big shout out to Adam, other Adam for hopping on. And Adam Burke asked me, is Derek Carr a top 15 quarterback in the league. And we were kind of going back and forth saying, all right, would you take this guy or that guy, this guy or that guy? And I think a good one that you had during the break, that certainly made me think was, would you rather have Derek Carr on your team or Jimmy Garoppolo? I'll let you set the stage a little bit with
1: this. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much more stage setting there is to do. Like, I mean, is look, you can, there are a lot of quarterbacks you can poke holes with because like either they didn't have a good defense Or they didn't have a good running game or they didn't have a good coach or, you know, all these different things like Garoppolo has been surrounded by a good amount of talent, as you said, and, and also some pretty smart offensive minds, right? Hasn't always been the case for Derek Carr. I will grant that. But when you look around the NFL, like, like I asked you if Derek Carr is an average quarterback or an above, I asked you if he was an above average quarterback. Yeah. Like to me, he's maybe 16th or 17th in the NFL. If we were to rank all the quarterbacks, like at, the highest right so like it's just crazy to me that there's so much interest in where he ends up going and betting markets and all these different types of things for like the dude to be average and like we talked earlier in the show about daniel jones and like how daniel jones you can't win a super bowl with daniel jones is what you said Mm -hmm. i tend to agree i don't think you win a super bowl with Derek carr either i'd rather have daniel jones not at 35 plus million per year but i'd rather have daniel jones than Derek carr i think
4: See, I would disagree with the Daniel Jones discourse. I just have not been sold on him. And yes, he took a step forward. I think a lot of that is credited to Dable. And then you could ask, well, what would Derek Carr looked like with a competent offensive coach and Brian Dable. again. Daniel, but Daniel
1: Jones still has to execute right. what Brian Dable has him
4: to do. Agreed. Agreed. I just, look, Daniel Jones, his best games came against a crap defense in Minnesota, and otherwise he's more mobile than he is throwing it. And, yes, he looked okay throwing it, again, in those two games, but he's not really a reliable guy. Like, I'd rather in the passing effort have Derek Carr having the pig skin than Daniel
1: Jones. I guess we're still waiting on DJ, but, I mean, come on. Also not on this list. From producer Britton Hess of 15 quarterbacks. And by the way, it's Mahomes, Allen, Jackson, Rogers, Lawrence, Cousins, Hurts, Burrow, Herbert, Prescott, Kyler Murray, Stafford, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. I don't know why he has Stafford listed twice. Um, really likes Matt Stafford. I guess so. Really likes really likes Matt Stafford. I'd rather really have Justin Fields and Derek Carr. Yes. He's not on I this list. Too. I would too. Like, I, they'll like, call me the, biased, the point but I'm I mean. making is like, to me, Derek Carr is like a top, 18 top 19 quarterback in the NFL. All right. So then here's, so, so I guess the, the bigger question here is like of the teams where you've got yeah. betting odds, right? Like Adam Hill thought the saints are still a really good fit. The jets, uh, the Buccaneers obviously need a quarterback as well. The Panthers, Panthers are sneaky. Frank Reich. That's Frank Reich with Derek Carr is kind of interesting. Yeah. I think in, in a lot of ways, but like are the saints a playoff team with Derek Carr next year? Depends how the defense looks. I mean, the division's wide open. So. Well, I mean, and but then you think about it, like, I, I don't know who the Panthers are going to draft. They're probably, I presume they're going to take a quarterback, right? Yeah, if they don't get anybody. Right. You would I, imagine. I yeah. mean, the, the, so the Falcons, like, I I can't see them going into the year with Desmond Ritter. But even if they do, like, that's a really, really good running game they have there. Yeah. They have pieces to build around. Defense like, right, I don't yeah. know if the Saints are a playoff team with Derek Carr.
4: Okay. Well, I mean, I, again, the, the big thing is the division stinks. It flat out stinks. Right. Oh, so if they're terrible. not getting a big-name guy, and if it's Ritter or younger guy, I still think you have to give the Saints the nod. Right. And because of their defense. But I wouldn't
1: bet them to win the NFC South.
4: Yeah, there's not really going to be that good of a
1: prize. No. Now, are the Jets a playoff team with Derek Carr?
4: Yeah. I, I think they probably would be. Yeah, they'd sneak in but there because of their defense. I and will young say guys. that, yeah. All right, let me ask you this, though. Tua Iloa or Derek Carr? Tua.
1: Again, well – The concussion thing is a huge concern, obviously. But, I mean, Tua Tua played really well last year. I know people want to poke a lot of holes in his game, and I know he's got Waddle and Hill, which doesn't hurt. But I thought he played really well. That's another guy. If you put him in a system that works for him, he's really good. Like, maybe Derek Carr just hasn't had a system that's totally worked for him. I guess that's a fair point. I want to ask
4: you this, though. I think also, aside from Tua with the injury issues and concussions – after that game at San Francisco, when Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Rhines really s- schemed very well against him, right? You forced him to throw outside as opposed to the middle part of the field. Other teams took a page of that book, right? They took those ingredients from the recipe and it limited to a. Sure. Does that concern you for the season, or do you think, nah, Mike mcdaniel has got a whole offseason to figure it out? They'll find another way.
1: I mean, they can adjust. Like anything. If you cite an example with the 49ers, they're the best damn defense in the league. So like True. not everybody has the that Chargers level of stopped them though
4: pretty well the week after
1: because For sure. again Staley finally had like a signature defensive game as a well, defensive and coach. The defense finally got healthy. Yeah. Because they're I mean, they're never healthy. Right. But of course I go on a rant about maybe we're talking about Derek Carr too much. What have we done Talk about Derek <laughs> Carr the whole segment? So I, I played myself, I guess. Yeah. Uh with that one. But I don't know. It's just like I guess it just shows how NFL driven everything is in the sports world and especially the sports betting world.
4: Very true. Very
1: true. I mean, it's it's either that or we talk about like Miac college basketball or something. Yeah. Well, Hey, Louisville's hanging in
4: there right now. They are. are up 70 to 60. I'm trying to see if we got a live number on it as I'm messing up my computer screen right now, but nevertheless, we saw Louisville, as high as like an 18 and a half point dog in game wise, we know they open as like a 20 point dog, but we kind of thought this game was over. 12 and a half is what our producer Britton's saying uh, as they are down 12 with three minutes to go. So props to the Cardinals for hanging in there. Uh, Duke may be getting a little complacent, him.
1: Yeah, gonna be a sweat maybe on this full game, I would say. Although Duke's gonna have some long possessions here to kind of yeah. draw this thing out. So. We'll see, but I'm, I'm kind of more interested in, in one of the other games that's taking place right now, Hawaii and Cal State Bakersfield. So Bakersfield is a team I've tried to fade multiple times. They shoot a ton of mid-range jump shots. And generally speaking, the, the biggest things I look at from a college basketball handicapping standpoint are shot selection and then you know turnovers, obviously, making sure you take care of the basketball. But Bakersfield shoots, I think it's like 46% of their shots are mid-range jumpers which is remarkably inefficient to do as an offense. They're down 28, 24 to Hawaii here at halftime. I think between the two teams, there's been six, three pointers attempted in this game, wow. which is nuts for a college basketball game. Uh, actually nine Hawaii's two for six and Bakersfield is two for three. Uh, but I, I'm trying to fade Bakersfield and, and maybe a second half play on Hawaii here makes some sense because Hawaii should be better offensively than what they've shown here so far in this game. Mm-hmm. But I Bakersfield will not be, I don't think. So that may be a, a second half bet to make here.
4: Yeah. Like you said, Hawaii up 28 to 24, six and a half. You want to lay it with Hawaii total at one sixteen and a half. and a half. You almost consider an over in the sense that they will start su- shooting threes. Or is this just how they play?
1: No, I, no. I mean, Bakersfield also plays at a really slow tempo, which makes sense because they get so many bad shots on offense that they should play at a really slow tempo. Um, you could I guess look at it in terms of a foul fest if this stays a you know two or three possession game, but I'm not sure that it will. I thought about laying the full game price with Hawaii, I didn't do it. May look to do it here in the second half.
4: All right, before we head out, we do have a big game in college basketball starting at the top of the hour TCU in Kansas and Adam, a point favorite is what TCU opened. Looks like they may close three at several shops. The steam just keeps on coming for the Horn Frogs.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it does. I mean, look, you know, they got healthy over the weekend. They got miles back. They look like the team that everybody kind of expected them to be. And as I said, TCU, a team that gets to the rim a ton. So maybe that's something that they have success with here in this game against Kansas. But, you know, I think it's interesting that to kind of see that, you know, the betting market may a little bit smarter than it used to be in some respects, because some people will look at TCU and say, oh, they're just seven and seven in conference. But keep in mind, a lot of those losses without their best player. So it's good to see the market, I think, get a little bit smarter in games like this.
4: Well, Adam, it's been fun, my man. We'll run it back tomorrow, yeah? Sounds good. All right. Good With thing. more college basketball to talk about. There you go. We'll have a tad bit more action ready for you. Mignogna, when Adam Burke, Danny Burke, the Burke brothers run it back, still filling in for Tim Murray and Sean King here on in the Sports Betting Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll still have plenty more coverage throughout the late-night action right here. It's going to be a good one. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.
2: I5 Casino! I5 Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary, Void were prohibited play responsibly conditions apply. See website for details. I5
1: Casino.